Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Did you know that your story or your testimony is a very powerful weapon in God's hands? We know from the Bible that we are supposed to use our tongue for good things. The Bible says life and death is in the power of our tongue. James 3 says it's like a rudder that guides my own life and a spark that sets others on fire. My tongue is a powerful thing. And we know that the Bible tells us to preach God's word, to pray. These are ways we use our tongue uh, to prophesy, to proclaim his word. But did you know that testimony or telling your story is a part of what God wants you to use your tongue for? Jesus told us that we would be judged by our words and every idle word would be judged. It is important what we say and testimony is part of it. Last week we looked at Psalm 107 where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then he gives different examples of people who can tell their story. And today I want to tell a story about a man who was born blind. Can you imagine being born blind? You've never seen the light. You've no frame of reference for what is light and dark, different colors, the shape of things. It must be so, so difficult. And there was a man who was born blind. He grew up. He was an adult and he was begging on the streets. And Jesus met him. And the whole of John chapter 9 is his story. And I just want to start by giving you a bit of context of this idea of story. You know, we love stories. As human beings, we are wired and built to love a good story. The whole TV and movie industry, the books that are still so popular all around the world, stories are extremely powerful and extremely beautiful. And the Bible is a book of stories. It's not a, a surprise or a mistake that God used stories to tell his truth. You know, God could have written the Bible, inspired people to write it like a legal document. Subclause one, how does one get saved? Subclause two, how does one live once one is saved, etc. He could have written it out in clear legal language, but he didn't. He used mostly stories, the Old Testament stories, the New Testament stories, even the letters of Paul and John and Peter contain stories. There is biographical information and, and real events listed. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the Revelation, all of those are stories and they are beautiful and they are powerful. And I want to say to you that God has designed us as human beings to respond to stories. But I'm sure I don't need to tell you that there are different types of stories. Let's use two different examples of stories. The one is a good story that uplifts you and makes you feel hopeful and positive and encouraged and educated and excited at the end. The other is a bad story that fills you with dread and despair. What's your story? There are also true and fictional stories, aren't there? You know, when I watch a, a movie or I read a book, if I know that it's a true story, it really means more to me because I know somebody really lived this. There are true stories and there are fictional stories. And while fictional stories are fun, they are actually pretty pointless. And I can ignore them because they don't really help me in life. But true stories are powerful. 
And then there are God stories or eternal stories and temporary stories that will just be forgotten in the in the sands of time. You know, God writes stories in his Bible, but he's also writing stories right now. <laughs> the book of Acts has 28 chapters. But it doesn't end there. God is still writing. You know, the book of Acts writes the story of all the different things that the church did in the early years of the church. But God is still writing that story. And in heaven, we're going to see in Acts chapter 2,912 or whatever it is, we're going to see the continuation of God's work through people's lives. There are eternal stories. They are true. They are encouraging and helpful, but they, are, they have God in them. God is involved. God is working. God is using that story. And then there are other stories where a person says, I know God wants this for me, but I'm going to write my own life story. And they go on their own way. And it's a, a tragedy. And it's a wasted story because in the big scheme of things, that story is not written in heaven because God wasn't involved. And I want to tell you the story of this amazing man who was born blind. You'll see that he starts off in despair and he ends off saved. And it is the most beautiful story. Why are we telling this? Because we are learning about how to tell our story. Testimonies. We are doing a series on testimonies. This is my testimony. And today we're looking at your story. And we're going to learn from this amazing man. So in John chapter 9 and verse 1 it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, what's interesting to me is, first of all, this man had a story. You know, every story is unique. Your story is unique. This man's story was he was born blind and the emotions and the hardships and the highs and lows and the relationships and all the circumstances that went into his life are unique and amazing and intricate. And everybody has an amazing story, a unique story, an incredibly detailed story. And this man's story was that he was blind from birth, but he told people that. You say to me, how do I know that? How do I know that he told people his story that he was blind from birth? Because the disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're walking by, there is a man begging on the street, a blind man, and somehow the disciples know to say, he was born blind, who sinned, his parents or him? That tells me that he was telling his story. Maybe he had a little sign up next to him, next to his begging bowl saying, born blind, please help. I don't know exactly, but he told a story. It was a story of despair, of tragedy, of sadness, of hopelessness. Uh, his, his parents and him also had a reputation of being sinners. We know that from what has been said here and what's said later in the chapter, that everybody thought they had sinned and therefore he was blind. The disciples said, who sinned? Him or his parents, because they had a wrong idea. And this is the other thing about stories. Not just are they true or false, not just are they eternal or temporary, but uh, 
the, the way that people put their own interpretation and their own spin on a story, stories can be misunderstood. Your story can be misunderstood. And people had put this label on this man. He had said, I was born blind. Please have pity on me. But then people had said, you're a sinner or your parents are a sinner. And that was incorrect. Jesus corrected them. He said, no, no, it's not a direct result of this man's sin. Or his parents sin. You know, we sometimes think that uh, sin is linked to directly to a person's sin. Uh, sorry, sickness and suffering is linked directly to a person's sin. And the Bible makes it clear. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, um, he said, Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There was this understanding that if a person suffers, it was because of their sin. And we have that today in Christian circles. Some Christian groups or, or families of Christians believe that if something bad happens, it's God who made it happen because he's working something out in a person's life. And that in effect means if you sin, bad things happen. And Jesus said, that's not the case. It's a broken world. It's not because this man or his parents sinned. We live in a broken world that's not as God intended it. But two things. Sin is involved, the sin of the human race, and therefore we need to repent. Otherwise, a worse thing happens after Judgment Day. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There is sin in the world that we need to be aware of. Maybe not that person's sin. But then secondly, he says, these things happen so that he can glorify God but that the works of God should be revealed in him. God wants to work in every circumstance, every tragedy. God wants to turn that story into his story. The other thing I find so beautiful here is this man's story would have just disappeared into obscurity. We would never have heard it, but it became God's story because Jesus saw him and he responded to Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you, your story may be tragic or it may be wonderful and victorious. But without God, it is nothing and it will be lost forever. And God knows your story. Jesus saw him. Jesus saw the truth of his story. Other people had put their own interpretations about sin on him. But Jesus knew the truth. He knew the man. He knew his story. He saw him and he saw the potential. And so the first thing I want to tell you before we go into how do we tell our story is that you have a story. It's a beautiful story, but we need to put it into God's hands. And God sees your story. He knows you. You may have been misunderstood. You may have told a story in one way, but God says, I have a different story for you. I will take the past. I will turn it around. I will clean it up and I will turn it into a victorious, beautiful story, even if there is pain involved, because God loves to turn stories around. Let's go on. Verse six. When he had said these things, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. You know, sometimes when we're going to turn to God with our story, there may be things that offend our mind and our expectations. Jesus might ask you to think things or do things that are unusual to you. He spat and made clay with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Sometimes we need to be willing, if we're going to put our story into God's story, we need to be willing 
to lay down some of our own ideas and prejudices and what we think is right or proper and say, Lord, you are God. And he had to go to the pool and wash. Even though his eyes were still blind, he stumbled along and found the pool. There is a response required if we're going to put our story into God's hands. Have you made that response? Jesus, even now, is seeing you. He's speaking to you and he's saying, turn to me and be willing to lay down your life. And he may tell you to do certain things or not to do certain things. We need to say, Lord, I will follow. It goes on in verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, said this is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus. This is the start of his testimony. First of all, he says, I am he. He's willing to speak out. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He's willing to speak. But then he says, a man called Jesus. He's being honest with the knowledge that he has. At this stage, he only knows he's a man and he's called Jesus. A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. He gave the honest truth with what he knew and he spoke out. And this is the start of the redemption and the amazing power of God's story in this man's life. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. So he's just telling the truth of his story. He's not adding wrong facts. He's not making it something that it isn't. He's telling what he knows. And that is what your testimony is. It's just saying what you know. Verse 16, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. He'd started saying he is a man. Now he says he is a prophet. Something's happening. The power of a story works in us. You know, when you tell a testimony, it works in you as well as in those who hear it. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How is then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for they had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So again, they called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. They feared the Jews. This is another important part of our testimony. You know, Jesus said, If anyone is ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of him before God and the angels. Jesus wants us to have the boldness to speak. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Friend, you have a story. It's a beautiful story. You need to put it in God's hands for it to be a God story and an eternal story. But then you also need to follow what God tells you to do. And one of those is to be willing to be brave, even at the cost 
of consequences to yourself. Will you speak out? Because it is a powerful thing when you are brave enough. You don't have to be an eloquent, powerful orator. You just need to tell what God has done in your life. And he did this even at the risk of being kicked out of the synagogue. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Friends, the story of your life is huge and complicated and beautiful, but there are times when you have to shorten your testimony given the circumstances you have. And in this case, he said, one thing I know. Can you summarize your testimony to one thing that God has done for you? For this man, he said, that though I was blind, now I see. There was a before and there is an after and the middle is Jesus. What's your summarized testimony? He goes on to say, it goes on to say, then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. What do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. There was a consequence. He was, he was kicked out. Friends, you know, sometimes people won't receive your testimony. And part of this process of, of my story going from just an, a temporary, worldly, tragic story to a God story that is going to be told forever and that has beautiful power in it. One of the things of this is that some people will reject your story and yet you need to be brave enough to keep speaking it. And Jesus did say that we would be rejected and people would, would not accept. Not everybody would accept what we have to say. Are you going to be brave? This man was brave. His parents were fearful, but he was brave and he spoke up. And there is great power released when we are brave. Listen to this verse from 1 Peter 4. It says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, that means if people speak badly or act badly against you for the name of Christ, Blessed are you. That word blessed means God's blessing and power is upon you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. God's spirit and his glory and his power and his blessing rest on you when others reject you or reproach you for saying your testimony. And I want to encourage you that the redeemed of the Lord say so. It is powerful. You know, it raises expectation in those around. Some reject and some listen. Some of these Pharisees became believers later on. We're told later in Acts that many Pharisees turned to, to Christ later on. And I think it was because of the boldness of people like this man. It raises expectation. It tells people things that God can do. You know, the word testimony in the Old Testament comes from a root word, that means do it again. And when we tell what God has done, he can do it again. Power is released for him to do it again. And it shuts the mouth of the devil. We told in Psalm 107 that iniquity closes its mouth. And in Revelation 12, it says we overcome the devil by the word of our testimony. There is power in your testimony. Let me read the end of this beautiful story. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, Jesus was searching for him. You know, when we take these first steps towards Jesus, he said he's a man, he's a prophet, he was moving towards Christ, he was obeying, he was speaking out. As we move towards Christ, he is searching for us. 
And it says, when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And this was a call to commitment. Jesus was saying, now you must decide, are you going to follow and believe in me? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He was looking for a way to believe and to serve. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This is the end of the story. And friends, it's not just a physical healing. The man's eyes were healed, yes, but it's more than that. His story was turned into a God story. He told it, but it's been told in John chapter 9 throughout all the centuries since. It's written in heaven, and it's bringing glory to God. Your story may have started tragic. It may have all sorts of misunderstandings where people don't really understand you. I want to say to you, God sees you. Jesus saw him. God wants to heal you and make your story into a God story, into something that will bring him much glory. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to use you as a light to shine to others. What do we need to do? We need to be willing to respond. We need to just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to use my story for you. I'm going to share it with everybody else who wants to hear it. And uh, I just want to close now by saying the practical tips from this story are number one, bravery or boldness. We need to be brave if we're going to tell our story. Number two, we need to have a different version of our story for different circumstances and sometimes different types of story. You may have a story that's about healing or about provision or about forgiveness or all the different things. We need to have different ways of sharing our story. You know, the Bible says we need to be ready at all times to give an answer to those who ask us why we believe in Jesus. And so we've got to have different ways of telling our story. This man had a complicated, long story, but he changed it at certain times to say, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. You've got to be able to to adjust your story for different circumstances. And then lastly, just be ready uh, in faith for God to use your story. Sometimes you don't see the results. They kicked him out of the synagogue. Uh, He worshiped Jesus, but then very shortly after that, Jesus was crucified. Sometimes it doesn't look like your testimony is bearing the fruit that you thought it should bear. But I want to tell you, in God, your story, your words of your testimony are powerful. Yes, preaching is powerful. Yes, prophesying and proclaiming and praying, they are all powerful things. But just you saying, this is my story. This is what happened to me. This is what God has done in my life. I'm giving glory to God and saying what I know about Jesus. That is just as powerful. You don't need to be a trained preacher to do it. Every single one of us, every person who is redeemed should say so. What is your testimony, my friend? Get a few ideas down on a piece of paper. Summarize what your testimony is and be willing to share it and practice sharing it in different circumstances with different people and be brave. God is with you. Your story doesn't need to be a temporary lost tragic story. It can be turned into something powerful for God. God bless you. Coming up now, this is Norbert's story. I want to tell you about the way I found my way 
to the Lord or the way I found my way back to, to God because when I, I grew up in a Catholic household, um, my parents were in a church choir and we, we went to, to church every, every Sunday and it was a very traditional Catholic church until I was probably 1450, my teenager years, and I felt, no, this is, this is not for me. I, I, I want to do something else. And uh, I decided not to go back to church. For, for de decades, I was, I was more like a submarine Christian, I want to call myself, because I only surfaced twice, twice a year, Easter and Christmas, and I went to church um, because it was the right thing to do, I suppose. Um, and only 14 years ago, I, I was uh, talking to a friend and uh, he, he suggested, why don't you come and join us at the Alpha course? Something really exciting and, and you can learn a little bit more and um, it might interest you and it might change your view on, uh, on, on God. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And I went, uh, it was every week and it was, it was actually really, really good. And it was, at times it was an eye opener and it didn't, didn't really do anything different though, except like having good conversations. So uh, it was probably halfway through, some people dropped out and um, I was invited to, to go to church. And it probably took me another month or so to, to actually go to the church. And that was, was Lighthouse Church here in Jersey. The moment we walked into the room, it was, it was just something was different. And it, halfway through, I started crying. Like, I feel now, I feel, I feel actually very, very emotional about it still, because I didn't know what, what was happening. And um, I just cried my heart out um, in the middle of the church. So at the end of the service, um, Greg actually said, look, anybody who wants some prayer, just come forward. And I was just, racing to the front. I just couldn't wait. Um, so from that day on, onwards, it was, everything changed and uh, my life, I think, changed. My view on, on life changed. My view on, on God changed, on, on my faith. And I never looked back. And it was uh, well, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Since, since I found my way back to to, to the Lord, I, I had some, some challenges, like we all have challenges in life, and uh, but I could really feel how he, how he helped me and how he was there for me. And I just look back a couple of years ago when, when I lost my job and I was uh, looking for something new and I was, I was getting quite desperate. And I thought, I need to pray for this. And I started praying and again, it, it, it took time and I prayed every day for, for, for something to come up. And I remember um, one morning I was, I was just praying. I said, Lord, please, I, I'm, I'm getting so desperate. I, I really I need, I need a job. So that same day, actually, a friend called me and said, look, there's this hotel and they're really looking for a manager for some help. Why don't you go and, and, and see if you can help them? And uh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was a couple of days later, I started working for them. And uh, 
yeah, I never, never looked back again. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity for me and I could feel how the Lord was hearing my, my, my voice and um, I could see how, how Lord, the Lord made a difference in my life. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.